The following is a hoop ball presentation. Sports Ethos, Atlanta Hawks team coverage podcast, formerly known as Hoop Ball Hawks. We cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on Tuesday, July 19th. I apologize for the delay. I did send a tweet out between school, which I do have a life update. I had to take a comprehensive exam to basically give me the okay to graduate with my master's degree. And I'm glad to tell you guys, my supporters, my listeners, who I appreciate your continued listening support throughout this time. I passed the test 100%, flying colors, aced it. So I will be getting my master's degree here early August. So I thank you guys for your support and your patience with that. Then I went on a little vacation down to the great state of Florida. Uh, did not run into Florida, man, so I'm good there. But did come back and was under the weather for a few days. So it's been a minute trying to get back on the saddle and record. But I am well enough to record and I am back and better than ever. And I did keep an eye on Summer League when I was in Florida. I did do that. I did do the due diligence to watch the Atlanta Hawks Summer League team perform, and I have my thoughts on Summer League. Now, it's going to be mixed reviews as far as what people were hoping to see, wanting to see from certain players, wanting to see players suit up and be on the court who were not available to play. So definitely I understand people having mixed reviews about Summer League and maybe saying, well, this Summer League doesn't matter because this player and that player didn't play and Blah, blah, blah. This player did not look good. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. So, recapping Summer League out in Vegas for the Atlanta Hawks, led by coach Nick Van Exel, former player, former All-Star, former player development coach, but did get the opportunity to be the head coach for the Summer League Hawks. And I'm going to talk about him a little bit later in the program. But the Hawks finished out 2-3. and three. They fell short in a comeback effort in the last game versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. They started off 0-2, 1-2 straight, and needed to win that last game to end Summer League above 500, but fell short in the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we ended up losing to, ended up being 3-2, so finishing a game better than us. Some of the big highlights from Summer League were probably the players that were not available to play. Number one, first-round pick from last year, Jalen Johnson, who was dealing with tendonitis in his knee, did not suit up in Summer League. Now, he was out there in Vegas. He was there supporting the team, watching the games. But he did not suit up for the Atlanta Hawks, which I did talk about previous episode. And it was a downer not to see him out there. I wanted to see the improvement in his jump shot. wanted to see the improvement as far as spacing and being sure of his game. He was a very good G League player last year. Got some tick for the Atlanta Hawks last year. And I expect his role to increase 
this year as he is not a rookie. We know that Neymar Miller does not play rookies. So was really, really hoping to see the improvement he made this offseason. But the tendonitis did set him back. And I understand erring on the side of caution there. So we did not see Jalen Johnson suit up last year's first round pick. And we did not see this year's first round pick, A.J. Griffin from Duke. Both guys, obviously, from Duke. Suit up as well as he was experiencing some discomfort in his right foot. Now, there was nothing structurally wrong with his right foot. They did obviously do the x-rays, MRIs, but he was experiencing some discomfort, so they erred on the side of caution for him as well. And I was really hoping to see both of these players play, especially A.J. Griffin as far as his ability to stretch the floor at the three, potentially small ball four position. Mostly going to be a three, maybe a two. And his ability to shoot the three ball. I wanted to see how it was going to play out, how his stroke looked, and how it was going to potentially fit in within the Atlanta Hawks roster. Now, even though he's a rookie, I think he'll get some clock. He's going to definitely have to earn that through training camp, showing that he's healthy, showing some consistency from shooting beyond the arc and shooting in the mid-range that's going to hopefully warn him getting on the court sooner rather than later. I think that was one of the things that held back Jalen Johnson last year was the lack of consistency in the jump shot as far as him getting on the court and getting more minutes for the Hawks. But this is why I was hoping to see his improvement in his jump shot, hopefully see some consistency there and comfortability as far as with his size and athleticism, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, becoming a better free throw shooter, and becoming a more consistent jump shooter. And I wanted to see the jump shot for A.J. Griffin and how he fits in spacing-wise for this Hawks team. But we did not get that. That's okay. There's going to be training camp for both of these guys to get healthy, get into rhythm, get assimilated on his roster, and see what they can do in the preseason. I'm excited for both of them. Now, for a lot of people, and this started when we drafted him last year in the second round, him being on the G League team, people clamoring for him to get minutes on this Hawks roster at the point guard position, Atlanta's own Sharif Cooper. We want Sharif Cooper, which is what fans have been adamant about since he got drafted. And I understand, hometown kid, you want to see him play. You want to see him play for the hometown team in meaningful NBA games. Now, last year in Summer League, his problem was he just didn't have a lot of reps coming into Summer League, only playing... 11 games in college, obviously shortened season, COVID-related high school. So not a lot of reps underneath his belt. We saw the playmaking ability, the ability to finish even though he's undersized. But turnovers and game management were the things that Nathan Millen wanted to see improve from Shreve Cooper. And for Nathan Millen being a former point guard in the NBA, you understand Nate's probably going to be a lot more cautious and a little bit harder on point guards than other positions. Now, he did play on the Hawks G League team last year in College Park, and I did not mention Jalen Johnson's numbers in G League last year. So I'm going to take the time to explain it. So last year in the G League, Jalen Johnson played 12 games, started all 12 games in the G League. He averaged 20 points per game, over a block a game, 
over a steal and a half a game, four assists, almost 12 rebounds a game in total, almost two offensive rebounds per game, free throw percentage that I say he needs to get better at, 56% free throw shooter, only got three free throw attempts per game. But from three-point range, he did shoot 37.5%, which is good. He shot 47% from two-point range. So all in all, he shot just under 45% from the field. So pretty good numbers in the G League. And that's why I was hoping to see some consistency and improvement in three-point shooting, free-throw shooting, and see how he can continue to grow his game. Obviously, we love the rebound potential. We love his potential on the defensive end, his athleticism. So those are the things I wanted to see improve with Jalen Johnson. Last year in the G League, Sharif Cooper averaged 19 points per game, averaged five and a half assists per game. Now, he did average almost four turnovers per game, which is something that I mentioned needs to improve for Sharif Cooper. He averaged under a steal per game, three rebounds per game, shot 74% from the free throw line. Something that I want to see him improve at is free throw shooting. From two-point range, he shot 50.5%, which is pretty solid, especially for his size. Now, it is G League play, but still, I'm not going to knock that. Shot just under 36% from three. So, all in all, 45% from the floor. And a guy with his stature, that's not bad at all. Now, Jalen Johnson did average almost 17 field goal attempts per game. Shreve Cooper averaged just under 16 field goal attempts per game. Both played a lot of minutes. Both were starters when they played on the G League team. And they were both 1-2 and two respectively in points per game. So a lot of promise. I'm happy they got these G League minutes last year because, I mean, they need reps. They need opportunities to work on their game. I mean, obviously you have opportunities to practice with the Hawks, practice with John Collins, Capella, DeAndre Hunter, if you're Jalen Johnson and others, Shreve Cooper learning from Trey Young, you get to practice what is preached to you and taught to you and that you're executing in practice in G League games. Now, I know people want to see them on the big court for the Hawks, but those G League minutes are valuable, and I'm never going to knock those minutes for these players. And both of these players were the two best players on the team, respectively, for the Hawks. And we did have Justin Tillman on the team, who I'm going to talk a little bit more about later on in the program. But he was on the G League team and our Summer League team as well. And he certainly had a pretty solid year, averaging 23.5 points per game, just under a block a game, just under a steal per game, almost 12 rebounds a game for him. Shot 60.5% from two-point range, 41% from three. 77% free throw shooter, and he got his attempts per game too. He played in 28 games in the G League, started all 28 games, and he was certainly someone that stood out to me in the G League. Now, here's the thing about J uh, Justin Tillman. He's a forward slash center. He is a little undersized. He's 6'8", 230. And for his game, it I think it warrants him potentially being welcomed this offseason as far as preseason goes and having a spot 
to potentially be on the team. And maybe he's a guy that we sign to the G League team again and keep in our system. I don't know. But certainly a guy who raised some eyebrows and was a steady hand in Summer League this year for the Hawks. So this is why we were really wanting to see what Jalen Johnson could do, what Sharif Cooper could do year two, and what A.J. Griffin can do a year one for the Hawks. You want to see a forecasting what to expect. And Shreve Cooper was dealing with a thumb injury throughout Summer League. Did not play the second half of the final contest against the Cleveland Cavaliers because of that thumb. But when you look at his numbers in Summer League this year for Sharif Cooper, a significant drop off in numbers from last year. Last year in Summer League, he averaged just under 15 points per game in just under 28 minutes per game. This year, under 21 minutes per game, he averaged only four points per game. And he had a huge drop in field goal attempts. He had almost 14 last year, just seven field goal attempts this year. The thumb probably had something to do with that. But he shot 46% from the floor last year in Summer League to a abysmal 19% this year from the field. And he shot 18% from three-point range in Summer League. Definitely... The thumb was probably bothering him if I have to. And I know he's probably not going to want excuses or pity and all that, but I will give it to him. He shot 67% from the free throw line in summer league this year. Had less assists per game. He averaged seven assists last year, just four this year. Everything else was pretty much the same. The turnovers were significantly down. He averaged five turnovers per game last year. Summer League dropped it down almost in half, 2.6 turnovers per game. But when you compare that to how many assists he had per game, 4.2, and then having 2.6 turnovers per game, that's still not great assist-to-turnover ratio. So that's something that he's going to need to improve regardless of the thumb or not. So I'm not going to be too harsh, too critical on Street Cooper because he was dealing with an injury during summer league. And hell, I mean, I give him credit for playing through it. But something that certainly needs to continue to improve, get the assist to turnover ratio down, continue to work on shooting. I mean, we saw the numbers last year in the 40s and mid-30s for three. For those to drop, I have to attribute it to the thumb. But certainly something that needs to continue to improve. And... Here's the thing. Sharif Cooper did not play himself off the team. I mean, we invested a second-round pick in him. He's a hometown kid. The fans really have taken a liking to Sharif Cooper because of that connection to the city of Atlanta. We don't have a third point guard on this roster, so he'll be back. He'll be on the team. He'll be on the roster some uh, preseason for sure. Training camp, he's going to be on the roster. I have no questions about that. But the fact still remains, and I talked about it last episode. The Hawks still need a third point guard on his team. And even though Clemens was solid, I don't expect him to get a spot for training camp. Shreve Cooper will probably have that spot. The Hawks may still need to look around for a third point guard on this team. But Shreve Cooper, he needs to get healthy because he has an opportunity. He has an opportunity to secure that third spot, which is the thing that outside of being healthy coming training camp, it's the thing that he needs to hone on 
and focus on going into training camp this year. Shondi Brown, the former Michigan Wolverine, had a solid, solid summer league for us. One of our better players, he was really doing a great job of attacking downhill and finishing. And he also has some pretty good percentages as far as from the floor in three-point range. He shot 45.5% from the floor, 40% from three. He was one of the engines offensively for the Hawks because of his ability to put his head down and get to the rim, along with a couple other players. Probably the star of some league for the Hawks because of his heroics and his consistency offensively and his energy on the defensive end is Tyson Etienne. Obviously, hit the game winner against the Spurs and made a key defensive play to secure that win in game four for the Hawks. He, obviously, former Wichita State Shocker, mid-major player, played with chip on his shoulder, was great from beyond the three-point line. His three-point shooting really gave the team lifts through stretches, especially the last three games of Summer League, once he really got more confident in his shot and his ability, and Nick Van Exel was giving him opportunities to shine. So Tyson Etienne, player for Summer League for the Hawks, in my opinion, and this next player, close second after a slow start to Summer League to start off his rookie campaign. He finished strong in Tyrese Martin, our second-round pick, who averaged just under 14 points per game, shot 45% from the floor himself, had more assists and turnovers, which I always like to see. He did finish only 5 of 18 from three-point range, and three-point shooting is not his strong suit even though he did improve significantly in his last year at UConn from the year prior. But I was impressed with his toughness and his basketball IQ, understanding spacing, understanding what he needs to do to win. He's just a winner. He's just a tough-nosed player. And that's what we got from Tyrese Martin after that slow start in the first two games. He's playing on both ends of the floor. I love his frame. He's going to continue to get stronger, get bigger. But his ability to get downhill and finish in the paint, which was something that critics said he needed to improve coming into the NBA because, obviously, his three-point shooting was not elite or above average by their standards. But I love seeing that in Summer League. And his play earned him a two-way deal for multiple years for the Atlanta Hawks, which means Skylar Mays is probably gone. So... We wish Scott Mays the best there, but he will certainly be looked at as a long-term developmental asset for the Atlanta Hawks. But I liked what I saw from Tyrese Martin. I did, and I'm excited to see his growth and development with the Hawks team at the 2-3 position with his size. I want to see him continue to get better shooting the ball, get more consistent there, continue to add a little bit of strength in size to his frame if getting downhill and getting to the rim is going to be part of his game. And he was underratedly a pretty nice mid-range jump shooter as well in spots for this Hawks team. So I liked what I saw from Tyrese Martin. A lot of people were a little skeptical after the slow start, but I liked how he came on strong the last three games. And I think I forgot how many points he had, like 18 points combined the first two games and ended up averaging 18 points the last three games of Summer League. So he really turned it on, got more comfortable, just like Nick Van Exel did. 
Tyson Etienne did. Shawnee Brown was pretty consistent throughout Summer League. Justin Tillman, who I mentioned, although undersized for his position, was a consistent presence in the front court for the Hawks as far as rebounding and scoring around the rim. And even Coach Nick Van Exel, as the games went on, after dropping the two first contests in Summer League play in Vegas, effort was not a concern for the Hawks, but limited offensive pieces available. Obviously not having Jalen Johnson, not having A.J. Griffin, and not having a healthy Sharif Cooper did affect the Hawks offensively, whether Nick Van Exel or the Hawks are going to mention that or use that as an excuse or not, but I'm going to call it spade a spade. Those things hurt, but he did a great job of them continuing to encourage this team, instill confidence in this team, being calm and a consistent presence with this team, and finding guys and challenging guys to step up on both ends of the floor. And I thought he did a really good job coaching in Vegas, which was great for the Hawks side of things, which coaching is something that we need to improve behind Nate McMillan to continue to enable players, find sets to get players in spots where they are comfortable and they can execute offensively. And he did a great job of adjusting to the players' strengths that he had available to him, finding what works in the small ball lineups were very, very effective, especially defensively. Now, the small ball lineup did cost them that game against the Cleveland Cavaliers as the Mobley twin did really do damage around the rim and was the X factor for Cleveland to end our comeback efforts against the Cavaliers in that season finale for Summer League for the Hawks. But he got the team to buy in defensively, and they were pretty good defensively throughout Summer League. And as I said before, getting players in good sets to score. I love that he encourages players, when the shots were not falling, to get downhill and attack the rim. And the team also did really well. And this was from Nick Van Axel talking post-summer league, playing on the catch and go. The Hawks did a pretty good job there. Three-point shooting was a weakness, especially, as I said, missing Jalen Johnson and Griffin to improve spacing, which, again, was a major reason for these struggles beyond the three-point arc. But finding ETN, Shondi Brown was not bad from three either. And Tyrese Martin knocking down jump shots did help keep the team afloat, and they used defense, especially when they would get down in games, like the Spurs game, like the Cleveland Cavaliers game, and the game prior to that. Defense was what helped them get back in the games and secure wins. And... That is something that the Hawks needs to do. The actual Hawks roster needs to do. And we have DeJounte Murray who can get downhill. We have Trey Young who has the ability to get downhill and finish with the floater. We need to encourage more of that from DeAndre Hunter. Try to open up things more for John Collins if he's going to be here, which that's going to be next thing we talk about after the break. And encourage Bogey and others to get your head down, get to the rim, Get to the free throw line because if you're attacking and the defense is collapsing, someone is open for a catch-and-shoot opportunity and mid-range opportunity or from beyond the three-point line. So for what they had to work with, I was impressed with Nick Van Exel. I thought the Hawks played hard. Effort was not a concern for this team in all five games they played in Vegas. And I thought... He did a great job of rolling with the punches, adjusting to what works for this team, and trying to put this team in good positions to succeed and win down the stretch. So 
I will keep an eye on Nick Van Exel as far as on his coaching staff. And I'm sure he raised some eyebrows in the front office and on the coaching staff currently. And I would love to see what his responsibilities, if they increase, if he gets more on his plate coming into this preseason. Now, the next time we'll see the Atlanta Hawks will be after training camp for two preseason games versus the Milwaukee Bucks in Abu Dhabi, October 6th and October 8th. So that'll be the next time we get to see the Hawks in live ball action. And we're going to see the Trey Youngs, the Capellas, and will we see John Collins? Who knows? That's going to be the next thing we talk about after this plug. All right, and we are back. Hawks, solid summer league. Solid summer league. I talked about that before the break. And as I alluded to before the break as well, John Collins is still an Atlanta Hawk. Now, John Collins has been in trade rumors for the last two years, maybe even longer. But we've missed out on DeAndre Aiden, who's going to stay with the Phoenix Suns. We missed out on Jeremy Grant, who's a Portland Trailblazer. Missed out on Rudy Gobert, who is a Minnesota Timberwolf now. We got DeJounte Murray, and in that trade, we still kept John Collins. Now, John Collins was in attendance at Summer League, supporting the guys, which was very encouraging that even though his future is uncertain with his team, his relationship with his teammates was not affected in all this. And that was great for me to see just because he's just a stand-up dude, great guy. I love having him on a team. I think he's a great locker room guy, glue guy, really consummate professional. And I know the Hawks potentially still want to move on from him. And I don't know necessarily the John Collins wants. I know there was reports that he was done, but I know that he loves the city of Atlanta. He's giving back. And I personally want to keep him and utilize him. Now, I talked on the last episode, what if we did a swap Julius Randle for John Collins? I still like that move. If that move was available to be made. Now, I think the Knicks are going to do everything they can to keep Julius Randle. So, that's not going to be something that happens soon. So, as of right now, John Collins seems to be staying put. I think the Hawks still want to move him. I think they're probably still having conversations with them. But, the market for John Collins has severely dried up as moves were made this offseason. And my thing is, if we keep a guy like John Collins, who's not a problem in the locker room, he wants to be involved more, but we're not getting him involved, then for me, that tells us we should probably move him if we're not going to do that. If we're not going to honor his wishes and use a guy with the athleticism that he has, his rebounding ability, his ability to shoot the three ball from a guy who's a four in this league, and players like him are coveted in this league. He's continuing to improve defensively as well. Now he needs to get better at putting the ball on the floor. But when you have Trey Young and you add DeJounte Murray, the pressure for him to put the ball on the floor diminishes. He doesn't necessarily need to do that. Can you pretend, continue to rim run? Absolutely. Can you continue to be good at catch and shoot opportunities, especially from the corner and the top of the key? Yes, we're going to need that. Can you get better defensively and buy in? Absolutely. You're athletic enough to guard a lot of people in this league and continue to get better defensively. Now, 
stature and size is something that people question. But all in all, John Collins is a pretty durable guy. Now, he missed 20 games last year, but for the most part, he's been pretty consistent as a player and pretty consummate as a professional. Again, I continue to say this. I want to keep John Collins. I love John Collins. He's probably my favorite player on this team because of who he is as a person. I love his personality. I love what he brings to a locker room. We just have to use him. This is a challenge to Nick McMillan, Nick Van Exel, Jamel McMillan, and the staff. We got to use him. We have to utilize the talent that is John Collins. Now, I see why teams want him. I see why he's in trade discussion because players like him are coveted in this league. But if we're not going to move him and there's not a deal to be made for him, we need to keep him. We're seeing this happen right now in Brooklyn right now. Of course, people want Kyrie Irving and KD. But if it's not a deal to be made, you have to make it work. The Hawks have to make this work. If you're not going to move John Collins and it's not a Julius Randle deal or an unforeseen disgruntled star that we can swap John Collins for, we have to utilize him. So the John Collins drama, that's not really drama. That's kind of cooled off right now as summer continues to roll on and summer league is gone. Free agency obviously happened. Draft is over. We're, we're going to wait and see, but it's right now. Staying in Atlanta may be the best option, especially once you add Murray. Now, like I said, the Julius Randle thing, I would love another person who could put the ball on the floor and create for others, especially at the four position. That would be great. But adding Murray, we may not necessarily need that, especially when you still have Bogey, who's coming back from injury, and his ability to create for others as well. We lose Herter, so maybe that stresses out a little bit more. But... It's still yet to be seen. Still yet to be seen. But next thing I do want to talk about is that there was news that came out today as far as discussion about DeAndre Hunter's extension. Now, DeAndre Hunter is eligible for an extension this offseason. And I think that extension it bumps up to, I want to say, the start of the regular season or maybe the day before. I have to go back and look at that and fact check that. But recent reports from multiple sources, and I got this from Bleacher Report, from Jake Fisher, who has been very active this offseason. All things Hawks for Bleacher Report, and does a great job. Not much progress in the extension talks as of today from multiple sources reporting. And the Bleacher Report article from Jake Fisher says that apparently the sides are about $20 million apart over a four-year deal right now. So the sides are not close in getting a deal. And for me... This is not really a cause for concern. I know there's players, oh no, sorry, fans who are on the fence about DeAndre Hunter. And I know that maybe even the organization is a little bit on the fence right now because of his injury concerns and his inconsistent play as well. And to help slash hurt DeAndre Hunter, Kelton Johnson for the Spurs, who they love in San Antonio, just got a four-year $80 million deal just last week, which... Could set the precedence for Hunter because they're similar type players, 3 and D guys. But when you look at the numbers and the availability between Kelton Johnson and DeAndre Hunter, I don't know if he's going to get that money. And that's what we're going to dive into real quick here when we look at the stats for 
Keldon Johnson and DeAndre Hunter last year in, in their careers right now. And looking at it, it's actually a pretty good comparison because they both came into the league the same year. And the comparison between the two, Keldon Johnson has been more available than DeAndre Hunter. Keldon Johnson has played in 161 games in his career. And remember, they started the same year. DeAndre Hunter has played in 139 games. So that is, if you do the math, that is 22 less games than Keldon Johnson. So he's played 22 less games than Keldon Johnson in his NBA career. DeAndre Hunter averages more minutes per game, just under 31 compared to 29 minutes for Keldon Johnson. Johnson averages more field goal attempts per game at 11 per game versus DeAndre Hunter, 10.8. So that's marginal. It's very close. And Keldon Johnson makes more field goal attempts than DeAndre Hunter per game. DeAndre Hunter shoots 43% from the floor, while Keldon Johnson shoots just under 48% from the floor. Keldon Johnson is a better three-point shooter than DeAndre Hunter. He is better from two-point range than DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter is a better free-throw shooter than him. Keldon Johnson is a better rebounder. Assist is marginal. Steals are marginal. Blocks are marginal. Turnover is about the same. And in a career... DeAndre Hunter is averaging 13 points per game. Well, Keldon Johnson averaged 14 points per game. So, statistically, Keldon Johnson is a better player than DeAndre Hunter and more durable than DeAndre Hunter. Now, last year was Keldon Johnson's, I'm not going to say breakout year. Well, yeah, it's his breakout year. Because the year prior, he averaged just under 13 points. He averaged 17 points per game last year, which I think DeAndre Hunter can easily average 17 points per game, personally. Keldon Johnson averaged 17 points, six rebounds, two assists, just under a steal per game. Shot just under 76% from the free throw line. Shot 51% from two-point range. Just under 40% from three. He got better and on top of that, he averaged about three free throw attempts per game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good improvement in year three. Now, the reason why we haven't seen that improvement from DeAndre Hunter is because of availability. You have to be available to get better. You have to be available to train, to get reps, to get minutes, to get more consistency in your game. And we have not seen that from DeAndre Hunter. And when you look at DeAndre Hunter's calling card, is defensive for his career. Offensively, as far as offensive rating, Kelton Johnson's a better player. His offensive rating is 113 compared to 105 from DeAndre Hunter. And defensive rating, Kelton Johnson's a better defender. Marginal. Kelton Johnson's defensive rating is 114 per 100 possessions, where DeAndre Hunter is 117 per 100 possessions. So, Kelton Johnson is a better player at this point of his career because of availability, which has afforded Johnson the opportunity to continue to improve and get better and have the jump-off year that he had in year three compared to DeAndre Hunter. Now, DeAndre Hunter has had his moments where you're like, okay, he can be that guy. He can, but he has to be available. So the four-year $80 million deal that Kelton Johnson got I don't think the Hawks give that money to DeAndre Hunter. I don't think they do. I think they give him a four-year deal. They maybe give him 65, 70. 
with some incentives, maybe. I'm not great with money and anticipating money as far as for players yet. That's something I want to improve on in this field. But I don't think he's going to get Kelton Johnson money. The numbers prove it. Kelton Johnson is a better player. He's more durable, better three-point shooter, slightly better defensively, and a better offensive player than DeAndre Hunter at this point in his career. But I'm not concerned. There's no alarm for me because, as I said before, Collins and Herter were in the same process, and the Hawks finally got it done, but it was later in the game than obviously right now at this moment in July when training camp is still a month and a half away, maybe two months. So I'm not concerned. That's something that we're going to continue to monitor here at Ethos Atlanta Hawks. But I don't know if he's going to get Kelton Johnson money. That's for the Hawks to decide and for DeAndre Hunter's agent and him to concede on potentially. So we're going to monitor that in the last bit of news Hawks related that dropped today. Kyle Korver. Currently finalizing a deal for a front office role for the Atlanta Hawks. And as you guys probably remember, former All-Star here in Atlanta on that really good Eastern Conference team that ran to LeBron James that had multiple All-Stars. And he was one of them. Well-respected player in the league. A guy that, and I tweeted this, ironically, I talked about on the show and tweeted that Kyle Corey would be a very interesting hire for our coaching staff because of his roles that he's had on various teams in the league, being an all-star, being a rotational guy, a starter, bench warmer, good locker room guy. He can kind of relate to any role, just like Nick Van Exel. And because of his ability to catch and shoot, they ran some great off-ball sets for him, which could be utilized for Trey Young, Murray, and others bogey on this team. That's why I was really hoping that he get a coaching role with us. And I kind of forecasted that a month and a half, two months ago, that of a guy to watch. So to bring him back to Atlanta for a front office role, which that role has not been defined as of right now when we are recording. And I'm going to fact check that to see if something has changed in that. But as far as I know, we don't know his role for this team yet. He's just going to be in the front office, which I'm excited to see what we do with Kyle Corver, but I'm sure that it's going to probably be on the side of development, maybe player relations, something there. Maybe he can have a James Jones impact like they had in Phoenix, but the Hawks have addressed coaching this offseason. Maybe not a splash slam dunk hire, but a good hire. That was Mike Longenbardi who's been on six other NBA teams, most recently the Sacramento Kings, who we got him from, who's coached under Jeff Van Gundy, Doc Rivers, Tom Thibodeau, Jeff Hornacek, Tyron Lue, Scott Brooks, and Alva Gentry, all defensive-minded coaches. That's something that needs to improve, which is something that I like to hire. I do. We promoted Joe Prunty, the top assistant coach, who is more offensive-minded, and he got a stint to coach for three games this offseason. The Hawks are making the moves. Murray, coaching staff, draft picks. We're we're trying to get there. John Collins are still unforeseen, but as of right now, I like the roster we have. But until we see it put into motion, until we get to training camp and learn 
what to expect, what we can expect, and see this team in Abu Dhabi in October and see what the beginning of this process may look like. We're not going to know anything because it's not going to be a finished product. But all we do know is that we're going to continue to follow it and see what's to come from this. So I like Kyle Korver hiring Hunter as far as the extension. The Hawks are definitely going to take their time on that. May not happen this offseason. May may not happen until next offseason. It may have to be a proven year. He may have to ball out, and it may be a restricted free agent situation like DeAndre Hunter, I mean, sorry, DeAndre Ayton had this year. But he's going to have to earn that money. Four years, $80 million, the Keldon Johnson deal, he's going to have to show that and prove that this year. So you want to be shown the money, DeAndre Hunter? you got to show us the improvement. you got to show the consistency. and got to show the durability this year. So that's all I have for today. Longer episode for a solo show. Obviously, I've been gone for a minute, but had to address a lot of things this episode. But... Trust me, as school winds down for me and I finally don't have to worry about academia, I can force more on Sports Ethos Atlanta Hawks. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give us a good review, share it, tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. I am back. You can still hear it in my voice, not fully healthy, but I'm back on the mic. So tell everybody that I'm back. You are who I'm to tell. Hawks fans, NBA fans, Georgia sports fans, basketball fans, it does not matter. Put them on to the show. Put them on our Twitter at Ethos Hawks on Twitter. That's Ethos Hawks on Twitter. And to follow myself on Twitter at Brad Jarrett67. That is Brad J-A-R-R-E-T-T-67. We'll catch you guys next time. And as always, I appreciate you guys' support and patience with me through this journey. I won't let you down. 